Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Super duper quick announcement we're we're doing a kickstarter for the creative career path handbook it's a series we did episodes 170 to 176 it's to help you find your creative career sweet spot uh it's a seven step process that i created uh and we're doing a kickstarter to do the second printing of the handbook the creative career path handbook and uh it's the last few days to back the Kickstarter. If you've been waiting, don't wait anymore. Go to kickstarter.com and search creative career path and you will find it or go to creativepeptalk.com and you can find it through the show notes. You guys have freaking crushed this goal and uh, it's blown me away. I asked for $3,500 and you have so far raised over $23,000 for this thing. And uh, I was so moved by it that I wanted to make this thing even better and make it a proper second edition. I think the original handbook was kind of a companion for the podcast series, but I wanted to make this thing feel a little bit more standalone so you could like give it to people. And it would, just, I don't, I just wanted to pack it with value. So much value dripping all over this sucker. So I have added uh, 12 pages of bonus content. We've gone full color and I've written a bunch out. Uh, I've been working super hard on making this thing um, 
at least twice as good, maybe three times good. I'm talking about 500% extra jazz in this thing. And I've, I have been seriously working like a madman to make it as good as possible, um, as concise. And I want it to just be a little handbook that um, really helps you find your creative career sweet spot. And so it's my thank you to you for coming out and doing this thing by you know, jam packing it with extra goodies. Uh, and I even included in the project section, um, the four layers of strategy from the creative side quest series and a little write up about each one. So go check it out. You can go back it now at kickstarter.com. Thank you guys for doing that. Let's get into today's episode. Last time on creative pep talk. Sorry. There was something in my throat there. Uh, last time on Creative Pep Talk, we were knee deep in our creative side quest series. And this week is the creative side quest finale. It's the final episode. It's so sad to see it go. What is a creative side quest? A creative side quest is a side project with extra layers of strategy, business and marketing strategy added to your side project. And the reason why you want to do that is that side projects where you're just experimenting and exploring and just seeing where the chaos takes you are really good at developing the creative side of the equation. You know, you have a creative career. One half of that equation is creative. The other side of that equation is career. And I found that just doing side projects where you just go where the chaos takes you, I found that they don't develop the career side as well as I'd like them to. And I've found when I've used these strategies that a creative side project that you turn into a creative side quest becomes your most powerful marketing tool. They become the key to unlocking your dream opportunities. And that's been true to me. And so I have these four layers of strategy that I add to my side projects when I want to transform them into a creative side quest. And each week we've been going through a different layer of strategy. And this week we have the final layer of strategy. And I'm going to get to what that is in just a second. But before I do, let me just set the scene. You see, these strategies are chocked full of what I learned by deep diving into the dark, nasty abyss, the sewers of the marketing world. I don't suggest you go in there. It's dangerous. It's gross. You'll see things you wish you never saw, but I did it so that you don't have to. And I scuba dived into the sewer and I found these marketing gems that can totally transform your creative career, not soil your creativity, but actually elevate it. I'm talking about, you know, I could, I could go deep into all these things that I've added to this, uh, to this side quest series, the strategies, the marketing layers, the product market fit, the content strategy, the, the 
the influencer marketing, the networking, all these different things that I've learned. I could go into all the details and describe them in detail and share all of that stuff with you, but I'd rather talk to you about Zelda, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'd rather hear about Zelda. So what we've done is we've taken all of this strategic information and we filtered it through the lens, the metaphor of Zelda. And if you don't know what Zelda is, you can shut off this recording right now because you're dead to me. Just kidding. <laughs> I hope you like Zelda. And actually, I know a lot of you have gotten into Zelda through this. You've been tagging me in posts of you buying and playing Zelda. I couldn't be happier. And, you know, if you happen to know somebody that works at Nintendo, why don't you just, you know, give them the word that, hey, this guy's selling Zelda copies left and right. Maybe. He's got some insight. Maybe bring him in on developing the next game. Maybe he's got some ideas. I do have some ideas. It's called Cosmic Link. It's like a star-studded link. He's got like stars and goo like flowing all over him. And he's got the power of the universe in the Master Sword. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. Zelda, if you don't know, is a video game. It's a epic hero's journey where you are like an elf fairy guy with a sword and you have to save Hyrule. You have to save Princess Zelda from the evil Ganon. Ganon's like the dark monster force that keeps showing up every single game and taking over Hyrule and you're the chosen one. And so in this game you've got to raid the castle and take it back from Ganon. But if you're just one fairy man with a sword up against a castle that's heavily guarded by giant spider-like robots with lasers on their head, you don't go to the front gate and knock on the door and say, Hey, Ganon, I'm ready to rumble. Let's do this. No, that's not what you're going to do, right? You're going to try to find a secret weakness in the fort. You're going to try to find a, a weak point of entry, a back door, a secret passageway to get in, to avoid all of those robot spider-like, guardian things that can shoot you with a laser, right? Like Luke Skywalker didn't just fly up to the Death Star and say, hey, Darth, you want to you wanna fight? Can I, can I destroy your Death Star? No. <laughs> they had to have a secret, weak point of entry to break into. And the same is true for your creative career. You can't just go up to your dream opportunities, send them an email and be like, hey, can I come in and play? No, there are gatekeepers. There are people, guardians. They might not be giant spider-like robots with laser, but they might as well be. These are the publishers, the editors at publishers, the A&R guy at the record label. They're the art directors. They're the peers in your industry that don't want more competition. And Seth Godin talks about this, uh, the, the great sage marketer Seth Godin talks about how anytime in the business world people find some fertile soil, aka a, 
predictable market stream, they instantly erect a fortress and create a moat to create, uh, to, to make it hard for competition to get in and steal their business. And that's what you're up against. You're up against the gatekeepers in the creative industry. You're up against the moat around the creative industry called noise. It's extremely noisy out there, right? How do you break past these guardians and get to your dream opportunities? I have my answer, which is our fourth layer of strategy, and I call it adoptive, not adaptive. This isn't one of those times where Andy's being an idiot. I mean to say adoptive. Your creative side quest must be an adoptive parent to a newborn baby distribution channel. Oh, look at that distribution channel that was just born. It's so cute. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Let me tell you about it. So what do I mean by adoptive? This is what I mean. I mean, believing that where you put what you make is as important as what you make. So the where is as important as the what. And it just means finding channels to distribute your creative work that are not completely overrun and saturated and noisy. Like where can you, what kind of outlets can you plug your creative work into where they'll actually be heard? You know, that stand-up comedians over the past 10 years had found a back door into the comedy scene through the channel of YouTube. That's how they made adoptive side quests. Instead of going through the, the brutal, saturated gauntlet of stand-up comedy clubs, they put their comedy online and let it, let it flow through the channel of YouTube. Designers over the past years have used enamel pens as a new distribution, a new channel for channeling their creative energy, their creative designs through this new thing of enamel pens. Podcasts have been that for public speakers. Live experiences have done that for artists. You know, the gallery world has been so saturated, so stuffy, so established. And over the past five years, you see this new distribution channel that artists have adopted where they, instead of just creating, you know, going in and hanging paintings on the wall like a traditional gallery, they transform the gallery into a live experience. And my uh, my Color Me project with Andrew Nyer is a lot like that. And Meow Wolf is a lot like that. And the Color Factory is a lot like that. And so the question that you've got to ask yourself isn't just what are you going to make with your side quest, but where are you gonna put it when you've made it? And before you even start, you need to think about that desired end, that desired end to plug it into a uh, quiet, a, a growing but quiet distribution channel and adopting that from the get-go. Here's the thing, all the time I will hear 
established creative people talking about, oh, it was so much easier back in our day to get started. And then they'll proceed to tell a story about being an early adopter. If it was so much easier to become an illustrator 10 years ago, why don't we have gajillion illustrators my age? And the same goes for every different uh, creative industry. And I believe that, yeah, there, that maybe the ease in which you can enter an industry ebbs and flows as a creative. I believe that all, that the whole creative world is like a city. And there are parts of the city that are decaying parts of the city that are up and coming, and then parts of the city that are extremely established, super expensive. And the point is trying to avoid setting up shop in a super expensive, noisy part of the creative world and finding what is the back door? Where is there exciting, fresh stuff happening? And so the idea is that you will be an early adopter of a distribution channel that is up and coming where the attention is cheap and it's not too noisy and you will get your creative work heard and or seen depending on the type of stuff that you make. And so how do you do that? Let's talk about it. First thing you want to look for is wilderness. And what I mean by that uh, is probably best explained through Gold Rush, a Gold Rush illustration. So back in the day when they were having the gold rushes in California, I think it was 49 of some year. I'm not a historian. I make pictures for a living. I draw and color pictures for a living. So I don't know what year the gold rush was. Sue me. All right. Uh, back when there were gold rushes, I don't know if it was 1949, could have been 1749. I'm guessing it was at least 1849. What would happen is you would get these early adopters showing up to where they'd struck gold, mine the town, and as more and more people showed up, there started to become these towns popping up around these mining areas. And there's this thing that happens when the money ceases to be in looking for the gold and the money starts being made helping the people make the gold. Does that make sense? And so that's the thing you need to look out for. You need to look out for where is their wilderness? Where are their uncharted paths? Where are the obstacles, the barriers to entry? And instead of seeing those obstacles as like a pain in the butt, you got to see them as an opportunity. I call them obstitunities because I'm kind of half mom blogger, half Southern preacher. Uh, But basically, you're looking for where are the paths that haven't been forged? 
Where's the brush? Like you don't, if you see a path leading to a distribution channel that is paved with tutorials and webinars and a, all these people set up around helping you strike gold, the gold is gone. Because if there was gold, they wouldn't be helping you do it. They wouldn't be teaching you the tutorials of how to set up a podcast or how to strike it rich on Instagram. Like they already got the gold and now they've used the gold and invested it in helping you buy pickaxes. And that's a bad sign. You don't want that. What you want to find on the trail are skeletons. If there are only... If there's only wilderness and skeletons in between you and the distribution channel, you know that there's still gold left. And when I started podcasting, there, there, there wasn't an app that you could just record your voice, push a button, and have it upload to iTunes. I had to research RSS feeds and different hosting situations, and I had to try a billion mics before I got the right one. And I was even probably, you know, I was not an innovator. I was definitely an early adopter or maybe even an early majority, like after that. But the... The podcasting scene is still growing a ton. I think there's still a lot of gold in there to be made for new podcasters, but you can start seeing the beginnings of this town popping up, helping you mine the gold, which is the first sign of an eventual ghost town. And uh, that's what you need to look for. So you need to look for wilderness. The second thing you got to do is you got to look out for the expensive parts of town. If you're going to open up a coffee shop, you're not going to open it up in the hottest place in the city where there's already five fantastic coffee shops. Like that's a terrible business plan, but you're also not going to drive 20 miles out of the city and open a coffee shop, in, you know, in the woods. You want to find where is the area in your city? where there's new stuff happening, there's raw potential, like people are, you know, asking you, hey, have you seen this place lately? Like it doesn't look fantastic yet, but there's a buzz around it. And you want to avoid going to the places where the, 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 it's noisy and the real estate's really expensive. And so you got to keep your ear to the ground and you got to, you know, I think part of this is about letting go of being one of the people that adopted an area that's now super successful. And it's partially about taking some risks. third thing that you need to look out for is native language. So it's not just enough to be looking out for growing distribution channels. You also need to be thinking about whether these distribution channels are in the native language of your creativity. So you probably have heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. You might love him. You might hate him. 
all feelings aside, he does know a thing or two about marketing. And one of the things he talks about is how every distribution channel has a native language. Like people have a different psychology when they show up to Instagram to when they show up to Facebook or they show up to Twitter or they show up to Vimeo or YouTube or whatever. They're in a different frame of mind and you've got to speak that language to them or essentially you're making them read subtitles. If you are on the wrong channel for the type of content that they're looking for, you are going to have to, you're going to have a massive language barrier, a gap that you're going to have to work through and it's going to you're going to waste all this time working through that gap instead of just making great stuff in the language that was made for that platform. You know, I've seen it over and over. Like one of the best examples is you know, Patreon, something that I'm that I use for Creative Pep Talk. I've seen a lot of people ask me about Patreon. And, you know, it seems like this cool, hot, new distribution channel for creativity. But the fact of the matter is it only really seems to work for, I'm sure there's exceptions to this, but it only seems to work for B to C types of creative businesses, that kind of native language. It only seems to work for creatives that are dealing directly with an audience. If you're a designer or an illustrator or a musician or, or whatever who sells your creativity to other businesses that then sell to customers, like if you work with clients, then Patreon is not the right distribution channel for you, no matter how hot and new it may feel. And it's something you got to think about. So if you're in video, you have the options of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Vimeo. And you don't just have to think about making sure the native language is right. You got to think about the accent of the language. You know, it's not just whether it's English. Is it is it the Queen's English? Is it American English? Is it Australian? Is it New Zealand? You know, like Brit. Uh, what kind of English are we talking about? You know, if you've got fancy artistic short films they probably don't go on YouTube they probably go on Vimeo if you've got informational stuff then you probably need to put it on Facebook you need to make sure you're speaking their native language which means you better put some captions on those videos because lots of people watch Facebook video with the sound off and so plugging into a where plugging into and adopting a channel and an outlet that fits the native language of your creativity and then molding your creativity to the accent and and to the the rules of that channel will get you the best results We all know that the best restaurant in the world in the wrong place is probably going to fail. Like I knew this place and you probably knew a place like that in your hometown where there's a location that's had five fantastic restaurants that all failed because the location is just haunted or cursed or something. There's something wrong with the where. It's not about the what. And so if you don't get anything out of this episode except for this, I want you to take away this. Where matters as much as what. And if you want your side project to elevate itself into a strategic creative side quest, you need to adopt a growing distribution channel 
with your project. You need to plug it in to that kind of outlet if you want the best results, if you want your stuff to be seen. And I want to just leave you with a little disclaimer, two little disclaimers. One, you're not training to be a venture capital analyst who finds the unicorns in Silicon Valley. Like, that's not your job. Your job does not have to be the craziest innovator or early adopter the world has ever seen to succeed as a creative person. You, that's not what I'm saying here at all. Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it. In fact, I would say trust your intuition. Like, all I'm saying is you probably have a sneaking suspicion that where you plug in your creative work uh, where you plug it in matters. And I'm just saying, yeah, you're right. It does matter. It has been a game changer in my creative career. Where you put it matters. So not only that, you you don't have to be a venture capitalist to be the kind of early adopter that can benefit from this principle. The fact of the matter is you probably already are one. When you think about your ability to be an early adopter, you shouldn't compare it to other creative people per se. Like if you are a creative person, compared to the majority, you're probably way ahead of the curve. You know, some people feel like, you know, we're probably like five or six years into this enamel pen thing. And the fact of the matter is, it's probably still got some legs in the mainstream. And three years ago, when you first heard about it and you thought, well, that's a well that's probably already dried up. If you would have jumped in now, then and used your intuition and had the metal detector in your mind to sniff out those hot distribution channels, if you would have had it back then and just and believed that the wear mattered and believed that you had intuition for this kind of thing, you would have been on that ride for the past three years. And so... My other disclaimer, other than you don't have to be a venture capitalist, is that you probably already are an early adapter. Trust your intuition. Invest in the wear. And you'll see some great results because of it. So ever since I was a little boy... I've been an old man. <laughs> I realize it doesn't make any sense, but I've been an old man for a long time. Like in college, we'd be at a happening spot having a drink and I'd be like, yeah, we should go to that place where they don't play any music and everybody hates it, you know, so there's no people there. We could actually talk to each other. I'm that guy. I like to have meaningful conversations. So sue me. And if we're not doing that, I'd rather be at home reading a book. Like I, I want to actually connect with people. And I think that making creative work in a noisy environment and a noisy channel can feel super discouraging and it can even feel worse. It can feel uh, hurtful or 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 hopeless because I think that we pour so much of ourselves into our creativity and it's a really vulnerable thing and I feel like it sometimes feels like 
you know, making your work is like having a, trying to have a heartfelt, open heart conversation while you're at the club. You know, you're at the club hanging with a, hanging with your friend and you're like, yeah, I'm a, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown right now. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, what? Yeah, this dubstep electro breakdown's amazing. They have the best jams in this place. And you're like, no, I think it has something to do with I might have an attachment disorder <laughs> because I because I was separated from my mom at birth and I was in the NICU for weeks at a time. They're like, yeah, nice to see you too. I'll see you in a few weeks. I'm going out to the floor getting crunk. <laughs> I don't think anybody says crunk anymore. But that's what it can feel like. I feel like you're you're trying to, you know, with your creative work, you're often trying to like make stuff that really means something to you. And then when you plug it into these channels that are extremely noisy, it can, and and nobody says anything and you just throw it out there to nothing, it can feel kind of soul crushing. And I feel like it's easy to feel that if you're not number one in the club, you know, partying when you want to, but have the ability to go back in the VIP whenever you feel like talking about your feelings. Unless you're, that's what they do in the VIP, right? I mean, I, I live a sheltered life. I've never been in the VIP. Don't shatter my reality. I don't want to know what they do back there. But it can feel like whether, if you're not the top dog in the club, that your options are to quit having meaningful conversations and just get on the floor. Uh, <laughs> it can feel like your options are, you know, just get down with the noise or go home. But there's actually a third option. Go to a different bar. Find a new bar where there are people that want to have the meaningful conversations that you want to have. Find the bar where you can be heard, where you can be seen, where you can be vulnerable making your creative work and there are people showing up there. And probably it's not going to look so glamorous at the start. You know, even when I started podcasting, it was way less of a thing and it was kind of an embarrassing thing. And, and it, maybe it still is. Who knows? I embarrass myself regularly on this show. But I hope that embracing the where and taking it seriously and, and uh, searching out those quieter bars where people like you are congregating and excited about the stuff you're excited about will encourage you not just to pack up and go home and quit the meaningful conversations altogether. Don't forget to check out the Creative Career Path Handbook on Kickstarter, official second edition, chocked full of 800,000% more jazz. Uh, I really wanted to make this thing a gift for you guys. And it's just a little book, but it uh, these principles changed my creative career. So go check it out. Kickstarter, search Creative Career Path, and you can find it. And we only have a few more hours to go. So if you've been waiting for the, a sign, this is the sign. Get on it. Thanks, guys, for everybody that it's art, that's already done that and, and shared it. It means a ton to me. You guys are fantastic. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Here's the thing. 
You can go to Spotify, go listen to the, the Y song, W-H-Y question mark, January 20-something. If you've never heard that song, but you've listened to this podcast for a long time, it might blow your mind because it's that song. Uh, it's the intro from that song. And actually, someone tagged me on Instagram videos, Instagram stories um, this week and said, what? What is this? Like they hadn't, they didn't realize that it was actually a song. Go check it out. And then while you're on Spotify, go check out Alex Sugg. He did the new soundtrack for this show, and uh, I'm listen. I've I've honestly listened to it dozens of times. Probably, I've probably listened to it like forty or fifty times because it's really, really good creative work music. If you ha- if you have creative stuff you can do, where you can listen to instrumental music that you know keeps you in the flow, this stuff is really good. It's got a narrative. It's got a beat. It's I'm such a massive fan of it. Thank you, Alex, for making this happen. Go check it out. Creative Pep Talk soundtrack on Spotify or Apple Music right now. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this thing jazzed your shorts up and down. And, and until next time, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.